Well, I know that uh, many heard through the Facebook and different things about the accident, and I just want to say thank you to all of you for your kind prayers and messages after my accident. I am sore, but no broken bones. However, clapping was not a good idea this morning for me. Uh, That was a bad idea. I got excited and I clapped once and I went, I'm not going to do that again. My left hand almost went through the windshield. Uh, Gladly, it wasn't my head, but my left hand is definitely talking to me. And... um, But this passage in James 1, I'm not starting the sermon yet, I'm just talking a little bit about what happened. This passage in James 1 that we actually sang this morning in one of the songs was so rich to me, I think it was Patty, Nelson and Patty. Patty sent it to somebody and someone sent it to me. And so uh, uh, I just read it, just the James 1, 2 and 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's, been, that's particularly meaningful to me today. But I think, I think it's meaningful for you, church, as well. So let, me, let me introduce an idea to you. That oftentimes God will deal with the church through, his leader, through its leadership. That's not an unusual biblical uh, pattern. And since God is the one who runs things, if he chooses to do that way biblically then it's okay, right? <laughs> He'll often speak to a church by speaking to the leaders. He'll often discipline a church by disciplining the leaders. He'll often, he'll often grow a church by allowing leaders to go through trials. And, and I believe that's what's going on right now. So we're in this together, guys. Aren't you glad I'm the one that gets to have the accident? <laughs> Some of you said yes. <laughs> the ones that really love me say, oh, no, Al, no. Well, maybe, you know. Um, someone else sent me something, and this person is this person lives what this message is about today, and that's Ileana Maguna Goicochea. I love saying that name. You have to actually say that name before you can join this church as a member. <laughs> Some cessationists say, "Whoa, whoa, are you speaking in tongues right now?" I said, "No, I'm not." Maguna Goicochea. It's a Basque name, very long. She posted this, and and I feel that I feel that this. I'm going to talk about this pastorally, and I'm obviously going to get to Scripture here in a moment, but we've got plenty of time. I think, I think the Lord gave this to Ileana. And for those of you who know her, you won't be surprised by this, but she posted this online after, I think, one of my daughters, I think it was Vanessa, posted the accident. She said, Dad, can I post about the accident? I said, sure, for, for the purposes of prayer. And so many people responded. This is how Ileana responded. Now, listen to this remembering what I just said, which I think is biblical, that God dealing with me, it's not about me, guys. It's about us. We're a body. We're together. That's what God calls us. We're his family. We're a building. We're a temple, but we're a body. So you hear this for you, too. So she writes, I've been praying for him, it would be me, more intently the last three weeks. My heart was heavy for him. May the Lord use all these trials for his glory and Al's good. Listen to this prayer. May the Lord be Al's complete satisfaction. Amen. I love that Lexus. <laughs> I've never had a Lexus. But I had a 1994 Lexus. I got it for 2500 bucks. That thing had 71,000 miles, and it was perfect. And it was white, and it had the, 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 the lights on it kind of look angry. And so my, my other daughter... 
got me a gator plaque with the gator, with the gator, with the angry eyes, and it was right in the middle, and it's just like, it just looked cool. Now, I know you, you think I'm an idiot, but that's fine. It had leather seats and a sunroof. I know, thank you. And when I told the insurance company, they just laughed at me. Yeah, we'll give you 1900 bucks for that piece of junk, you know. I said, but you don't understand, it wasn't a piece of junk. Okay, back to this. May the Lord be Al's complete satisfaction. <laughs> Very appropriate prayer, Ileana, thank you. And may the Lord protect him in every circumstance. And you know what? I'm so grateful I'm not in a hospital. Uh, that was a bad accident, okay? And the people that I hit, guy pulled right out in front of me. Uh, I had no chance, none. He, cars were going this way. He was trying to inch through the traffic. I couldn't see him. I was going this way. And he, he asked his granddaughter, is it clear she's on the cell phone, not listening, and doesn't care? Yeah, yeah, abuelo. And he pulled out. I mean, he pulled out. I saw him. I went to hit the brakes, and I hit him. <laughs> and I was just coming from Starbucks in Miami Lakes. I was coming down 82nd Avenue, where I'd just been doing some sermon prep. And for once in my life, I was calm, peaceful. <laughs> If you know how I, how I drive, I was, I was leaning back in my car. I was listening to worship music. And, I mean, it, it was like, bam. Isn't that like life? Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not a good driver. Amen. Okay. And, and I deserve many bad accidents in my life. I do. I, I say that to my shame. I, I, I drive fast and aggressive. But the one time I'm driving like a little old man, you know... <laughs> God said, this is the day. We're going to get your attention now. May the Lord protect him in every circumstance. Now, this is the part I think that's prophetic. She writes, don't call me crazy. But when all these types of things happen, I get excited. Because the Lord is about to do something. Father, and then she goes into the prayer. Father, may you do more than we hope for or even imagine with Al. And it's not about me. It's with us. We trust our pastor in your caring hands, Lord. Guys, it's been, it's been an intense month. We, we launched a church. This place is far, far. I think about, it ends up being about 40 people left our church. And of those 40, we sent the best. My dear friends, whom I love. And that's good. But, but it shakes us, doesn't it? I mean, it, someone said, Al, it feels like we're replanting Palm Vista. It's true. Didn't quite realize that one. I will remember that the next church we plant. <laughs> <laughs> but God is doing a work to mature us, church. So if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel a little shaken, if you feel, wow, what's going on? Hey, I, this isn't what it used to be. It's all different. There are different leaders all over the place. This is God. He's doing something. I believe Ileana's word is prophetic. It's encouraging. Good things are coming. Why? Because we are, and this is what the message is about today, we are God's people, chosen by God, called, saved out of horrific situations. I almost fell. That would have been nice. All right, Al, let's get your attention some more. (laughs) Called, saved out of horrible situations. Why? Listen, here's, here's the message today. And Jason preached it last week. Actually, Jason's message, verses 1 to 7 
of Ephesians 2 and my message, verses 8 to 10, really are one message. We chose to separate them because we wanted to really highlight today's. But they're all together. Here's the deal. You were dead. I saved you and made you alive so you could be a display of my grace for all eternity. We're like walking display signs, just shining God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. And it's all of God. It's none of us initially. Now, we cooperate. Thank you for cooperating and getting out of bed on a rainy morning to come here. But it is God's grace. So as we, as we get into this text, here's the deal. God's grace is on display to sustain a little church that got smaller when it took a risk to plant another church. God's grace sustains you when you lose your job or when things aren't going the way you want them to go at work or when you have traffic accidents and lose a car that you really liked that was going to be your car for the next five years because Lexuses don't break down and it was only 2500 bucks and you don't, have, you don't have another car. That's how I really like that car. God's grace will sustain me. God's grace will sustain you. And as he does by grace sustain us, we are walking billboards, walking displays that shine. God is good. His grace is rich and immeasurable. And that is more important than a nice Lexus. And that is more important even than our health or our financial security. God's grace is displayed in weakness. Paul said that. I would rather rejoice in my weakness that God's grace would be seen as sufficient. You get that? You're part of that. That's the very context of this message. Before we get into verses 8 to 10, let me just remind you of this, that the heart of Paul's message to his readers in 1 through 10 is really what Jason preached last week, and he preached such, it was exegetically exact. It was precise. Guys, listen to that message. That message gets better by listening to it online because it's so rich. It's so juicy. It's so delicious. It's so wonderful. It's so exact and precise. That was a well-written message. Go listen to it again because at the core of that message is this. You were dead. But God is full of mercy and has made you alive and has thereby saved you. His purpose for doing this was to display his grace. And now this morning, guys, as you turn to Ephesians 2, 8, he's going to restate that because he's going to start verse 8 with God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. It's the basis of our salvation. We are saved by grace. So he repeats this phrase. And look at verse 8 now. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is where I'm at. Open your Bibles. Get in your Bibles. Get that thing open. Get your pen out. Underline. Write things in there. Let God speak to you through his word. You've got to see it. You've got to read it. I think we've got some Bibles here somewhere. If not, pull up next to somebody. Look at their Bible. Then write on their Bible. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For by grace, there it is, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God and not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
Verse 10. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, give me grace to preach this and give my friends grace to hear it and apply it. Build your church, Lord, that we might be walking displays of your grace to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to try to get this idea, we're trying to get our our heads around this idea that God saved us so that we might display his grace. I I thought of the following illustration. Actually, my wife thought of this illustration. And it was of women's gymnastics. There you go. And I don't know if you remember this coach. His name is Bella Caroli. Okay, Bella Caroli. And he coached a young girl named Mary Lou Retton. Mary Lou Retton in the 1984 Olympics. And in women's gymnastics, kind of like in women's figure skating, the coach is often prominently displayed hugging the gymnast after she completes her routine. And one can actually say that the coach's skill is on display by his student's routine. One such example is this famous, he was a Romanian gymnast, gymnastics coach, Bella Caroli. His star pupil in the 84 Olympics was Mary Lou Retton. And Bella Caroli was born in Romania, big guy, big bear of a guy. He coached many great gymnasts. He coached one gymnast, Nadia Comaneci, to a perfect score. She, 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 I think one of the few that had scored perfectly in her routine. A gold medalist. And then in 1981, he did the unthinkable. He left the bastion of gymnastics, Romania, Eastern Europe. And he came to America where we weren't known back then for good, having good gymnasts, at least not on a world level. And so he immigrated to this country in 81. And then he, he chose this little four-foot, nine-inch girl from West Virginia, Mary Lou Retton. And he did something amazing. He coached her to an Olympic gold medal in the all-around event, the first American woman to ever do that. In fact, that year, 1984, Mary Lou Retton won the most Olympic medals of any athlete in those games. So we can say that in a sense, and if you ever watched those Olympics, and those of you who weren't even born back then, it's pretty cool. I mean, she was injured at one point. She does this one thing where she goes running full speed down this runway, hit this pummel horse and goes flying, and and then she hits, and her ankle was hurt, and you just kind of see her. She's going to hold it, and she's grimacing, and she holds it. I mean, it was was really very courageous, very wonderful. If you were American, that was back when it was America against the Soviet Union. And and then you were like, yeah, go go beat those Soviets, you know. Go beat those guys. And, and, you know, it was, you know, America, you know, and crying. And then you would see, after she would do that, she would run up to him or limp up to him. And she was this little four foot nine, and he was this big, and jump up, and they would hug and cry. and, and, And what was being displayed, you could say, was his ability as a coach was displayed in her routines. She, she revealed, in a sense, the glory of his coaching. Now, in a much, 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 not even close to comparison, much more eternal, much greater way, guys, 
God's grace, God's glory is displayed when we walk in the good works he's prepared for us. That's what this text is about. It's a completion of what began in verse 1 of chapter 2, and now verse 10 is going to complete it. It's kind of like bookends. Hey, you used to walk as, as a Gentile, a hater of God. You used to walk in ways that were horrible. Now walk in the ways that display God's grace because it was God's grace that changed you from walking as a, as a, as a fallen, depraved, pagan Selfish person, now you're walking in the good works that God prepared beforehand for you. And what does that do? In a sense, we jump into our coach's arms. He's more than a coach. He's more than just coaching us to this. He's actually created us and equipped us. And that's the main point of the message. That, that's, that's really the, 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 the propositional statement. Display God's grace by rejoicing in God's salvation. And walking in the good works he has prepared for you. So, so display God's grace by rejoicing in God's salvation and walking in the good works he has prepared for you. Listen, so many of us live to display our own glory, our own grace, our own prowess, our own education, our own ability to earn money, our own appearance, our own cars that we drive. Lexuses. Uh, we, we, we live to, to display that stuff. The world lives for that. And God says, I've called you to something better than that. Display what's truly glorious, my grace. And you do it by the good works I've called you to do. That, that's a reason to live. That's a reason to live. That's something you give your life to. That's something you'll never stop doing. And the cool thing about it is when history is over and when all this is done and you're in the grave, it keeps speaking. The Bible says that. Bible says that. So I want to be clear. We're picking up on what Jason preached last week and we're kind of bringing it to a conclusion. He saved us in order to display the riches of his grace for all time and eternity through us. How do we do that? There's two points. The first point, I believe that we walk in the, in, in the good works that he called us to, that we, that we display his grace by first rejoicing in God's gift of salvation. Then I think that's what verses 8 and 9 talk about. So look at them again. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, I want to I seize upon one word first. For by grace you have been saved. So you have to ask yourself, saved from what? Let me tell you what you've been saved for. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Jason talked about it last week. You've been saved from the wrath of God. Forget Satan, the flesh, or the world. Those are three enemies we have. Jason talked about them last week. They're the three classic enemies of the Christian. Here in Ephesians 2, 1 through 7 is where those enemies are identified elsewhere. But in Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, they're really identified. The flesh, that's thing in me that wants to disobey, do my own thing. The world, the system of the world, and Satan. Yeah, they're enemies. Sure, we need to be delivered from them. But let me tell you something. They're nothing. God is your ultimate enemy. Because he wins. He's overall. So you've been saved from the wrath of God. But let's go back to the word before that. For by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. You see, friends, the, 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 gift, the gift of salvation 
is, what's, it's what, is what is in mind here. The, the whole package of salvation. God's gift is our salvation, which is by grace. By grace. What is grace? What is grace? It, it, grace is God's work fully, totally. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that we can do to catch God's attention. There's nothing we can do to earn his favor. In a moment when we get to verse 10, we're going to realize that we actually received it before we even existed. So how's that for not being able to catch God's attention or earn his favor? You weren't even around. It's all by God's sovereign grace, his irresistible grace, his choice of you. We're going to look at this as we get further into this message. It's going to harken back to chapter 1, verse 4, where it says he chose you in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. See, God had mercy on us, and he saved us as, 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 to display his grace. That's what's key here. Grace, grace, grace. He saved us for the glory of his grace. We are trophies of Christ's grace that will be displayed for all eternity. Monica came up and, and gave me, uh, uh, felt like the Lord gave her a word, and it was about me taking a look at a photo album that just was God's kindness and goodness. She didn't use the word grace, but I believe that's what it was about. And and I looked her right in the eyes and I said, you know, Monica, where are you, Monica? Yeah. You know, Monica, as I was preparing this message and on this point, I thought, you know who the trophies of God's grace are? You know who the people, have you ever seen these golfers or like NASCAR? Today's the Daytona 500. The golfers, they they wear the, the polos with like advertisements for different, you know, companies and products, right? And especially if you're a good golfer, they pay you a lot of money because, hey, he's, he's showing my product, you know, or a good driver, you know. You've got the, the M&Ms on the car or whatever, you know. But, but we, Monica, we display God's grace. And as I read this, I thought of the avileses. I thought of the fibergasts. I thought of the magunagoicoches, gonzaleses. I could name so many. People who, who come here, people that I've known for years, the Morlas, there's so, there's so many academics, the Herreros, that just, you're walking displays, Adele, of God's grace. You come and you're in trouble. You come and your life is broken. Your marriages are broken. I, it's different things. You, 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 you just, there's something. And God says, there's a trophy of my grace. He's going to wear my polo shirt with my name on it. He's going to walk around. They're going to say, the only reason for that is God's grace. You don't have to do a lot. Just be. And God gets the glory for you. Remember Jason talked about before we used to walk, remember the footsteps in the snow? And we used to walk our own ways, and now you walk God's way. And as you do that, now, Sophie, I'm looking right at you. I don't know why, but I think God's got your number here. But as you do that, and if you end up being a gator, you know, I'll be very proud of you. Everybody else will hate you. But, but, but as you walk according to the new life in you, you don't even have to say a whole lot. It displays, and trust me, at the University of Florida, you will stand out, you know. This is a godly person. (laughs) But do you hear what I'm talking about? It's not about you, in a sense, or your education, or what job you get. It's about God. Will you be be my walking display sign? So many of you. 
God is good. And he builds us together. And you know what? There are more. There are more he's going to bring. And he's not going to just bring them here. He's going to bring them to Sovereign Grace Church Miami. And he's not just going to bring them to Sovereign Grace churches, but different churches in the community, wonderful churches. We're all, we're just gathering. God is gathering his people in a city where less than 2% are believers, folks. South Florida, I don't know how many million. If you go from Palm Beach down to the Keys, I've heard upwards close to five, six million. Let's just go five. Let's go, go four. Do the math. 2% of 4 million are believers. There's a lot of people not walking around giving glory to God's grace. God deserves the glory. And God will get the glory. And God's calling us to preach the gospel so that by grace we have been saved. <laughs> Maybe because I'm thinking of cars. You know how, like, I don't know if you've seen these, but there are these trucks that on the back, it's this huge A-frame. It's like a rotating uh, advertisement thing, you know? You know, okay. Have you ever seen those? And some of them, and in Hialeah, they have music and are really loud and crazy, you know. In Hialeah, they got Cuban guys that build them, okay. They don't look very good. But people hire them to say, you know, drive around and, and, and display my business. We're like driving around in our cars displaying the grace of God. It's not of you. It's not of me. It's not about us. It's about God, but he saved us. He called us by grace. Do you have faith for that? Oh, I do, because God's doing it, and he will get the glory. Look at the next one. For it's by grace, through faith. See that? Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's by grace, and the, but the instrumentality is faith. Faith. What is faith? What is faith? We're still in the gift of salvation. Well, I, I, I think, and we're not going to go into this in depth, but I think here faith is, for example, what it says in Romans 10.9 when Paul makes it clear that it is a heart response to hearing the content of the message of the gospel. And he says there, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe in your heart, believe in your heart Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now again, I want you to know, the gift of salvation isn't just the faith. It's the whole package. Because when it says the gift of salvation there, when it says it's as, it comes as a gift in verse 9, sorry, at the end of verse 8, it is the gift of God. That word gift there is, is in, in the Greek, the nouns have gender. Well, in Spanish too, uh, not in English. And so gift there is neuter. Whereas grace and faith, and I forgot whether they're feminine or masculine, but but it's different. So the gift there is the whole package of salvation. Faith is part of that. It's all a gift from God. So God gives us, he gives us life and he gives us faith and he puts in our hearts to confess that Jesus is Lord and to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And only God can do that. And he saves us. Friends, this is the acceptance of God's revelation about himself through Jesus Christ. It, it includes an acknowledgement of who Jesus is. It includes an admission of one's sinfulness. And it includes a recognition of Jesus' work on the cross. Listen, if you're here today and that hasn't happened to you, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Respond. But you know what? That call that I issue, and I issue that to every person I see, I, that's a universal call. But I know it's God that will give you the understanding. But I call you to it. If you're a teenager and you've, you've heard it all your life and you've never responded, let today be the day. So you become a trophy of his grace. You become a walking display sign, not for your glories and your coolness and your style and your opinion, 
cares about your opinion. But about God, God's opinion, God's style. One of my kids asked me years ago, Dad, can I be godly and cool? I said, you're cool to me. And I think you're beautiful. I'm not biased, but I think you're beautiful. But, sweetheart, I don't know that you can be cool the way the world would think. Because at some point, you're going to have to talk about Christ, their sin, Christ crucified on a cross. And the Bible says they'll think you're foolish unless God opens their eyes. You got to make a decision. I mean, some people, you know, said it this way. You know, everybody, everybody's the fool. The question is, who, whose fool will you be? We all think we're all cool, but we're all fools. Everybody else sees it. But if you're a fool for Christ, what they will see is Jesus. Now they may hate you for it. In this culture, they may ostracize you and reject you, and there may come a day that they hurt you or imprison you or take your things, but for all eternity, your life will scream God's grace. Well, moving on. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, verse 9, so that no one may boast. Our salvation is not a result of our works, but it is God's gift so that we may not boast. We're to boast in Christ, not in ourselves. Grace is not our works. God emphasizes that in verse 9. He just double emphasizes. He says, let me just make this clear. Yeah, it's by grace. Yeah, it's through faith. But it's not of you. He actually says that. It is not of your works, not a result of works. It's interesting here, uh, he's talking to pagans primarily and Gentiles primarily who are not being affected by some, some people called Judaizers in, in, in Ephesians, in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. Now, if you go over to the book of Galatians, he's talking to Christians that are being affected by Judaizers, Jewish Christians that are coming and saying you have to add obedience to the law to the gospel. But those people don't exist here. So he doesn't use by works of the law. He just uses by works. What he's saying here is that, that, that God saved us. And now I'm quoting Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5. God saved us not because of works done by, his right, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, the basis of our confidence before God today is not any work I've done. It's nothing I have done at all. Whether as a, a religious person Okay, there's some religious self-righteous people and there's a ton of non-religious self-righteous people. Oh, please. We're all self-righteous. We're all gods in our own eyes. None of that's going to earn you anything with God. Your confidence today is in Christ who saved you. And you know, I was thinking, what's the application here? And I was thinking as we get into this next part of the message, um, which is do the works that God has called us to do. Here's the application question for you in this first point. Is your confidence based upon the grace of God? Is your confidence and joy based upon the gift of salvation that God has given you? And I wonder... For some of you, dear friends, who lack joy right now, who lack confidence, who are sitting here thinking, I'm kind of defeated. I, 
I'm not very excited about God or his church. I, I'm just barely making it. I, I, I'm driving around. Uh, Joey's truck recently started sputtering, and, and, and it actually kind of, you know, wasn't running very well, and I took it to my, my, my Cuban mechanic friend, Eugenio, and he said, well, here it is. This, the spark wire is broken. It's arcing. So he just, you know, he did the Cuban thing, you know, bubble gum and tape and everything. And he fixed it. I went, how'd you do that, you know? And he goes, oh, you know. And man, that car took off. Some of you guys are driving in pickup trucks that are just sputtering. You're not really doing much. There's very little confidence and joy. You feel defeated. You feel like you're just caught. I wonder, could it be the application of this point? Are you rejoicing in the gift of salvation God has given you? So the question is, Al, how? How can I rejoice in this gift of salvation? How can I highlight the fact that it is God who has chosen me? It is God who has changed me. It is God who took me from being dead to being alive. Well, let me, let me suggest just a couple of things before we leave this first point. Number one, study the scriptures. And why not study Ephesians 2? And why not start by listening to Jason's message? Seriously. Get online. If you've never been online on the website, it's very easy. Download it. Listen to it. Listen to it with your Bible open and a notepad. Stop it. Take notes. And revel in God's grace and revel in the fact that he chose you. You were dead. He made you alive. Here's another suggestion. Go online and download. In fact, it's an app on my iPhone, which is over there. Um, And there's this app called, uh, it's, it's from Desiring God Ministries. Desiring God Ministries. It's called the Fighter Verses. If you Google Fighter Verses, I'm sure, you know, you'll, you'll find it. And, and download those onto your, your smartphone or your iPhone, whatever, and every week they give you a different verse, and they've been going through Psalm 103. It's the reason I mention it. Oh, buddy. Memorize Psalm 103, those first couple of verses in there, you know. Forget not the benefits of God, who's forgiven all your sins, who's healed all your diseases. And then third... Find out the works of God, the works that he's called you to do, and do them. And that's point number two. How do we display God's grace? Point number two, we walk in the good works God has prepared for us. So that's the second point. Walk in the good works God has prepared for you. Walk in the good works God has prepared for you. As your confidence in the gospel soars, as you realize it's all of God, this is his plan, walk in the good works God has prepared for you. Verse 10, I'll just read it again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Guys, we are, we are God's workmanship. This word workmanship, poinema, is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. You know that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, right? Okay, the Jewish people spoke Hebrew. Old Testament in Hebrew. Then, because the culture was shifting to Greek, the Old Testament was translated into Greek. So the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures into Greek. Very helpful. It's called the Septuagint. If you ever look at a thing that looks like a capital L and two X's, that's the Septuagint. Okay. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this, this word workmanship is used and can be translated the following way. So that word workmanship there in, in verse 10 can be translated creation. We are God's creation. Like the creation of a craftsman. The, the, the handiwork, let's say, of a master potter who creates this beautiful vase, this beautiful creation of his that's priceless. Well done. It can also be translated in the sense of God's skillful, intelligent design. 
We are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. Oh, this is a, this is a key application for us, friends. Have you ever heard the phrase, oh, he's a real piece of work? You can tell by the way I just said that, right? What is usually communicated by that? You know what I love about this church? Is most of us in this church have had that said about us, right? <laughs> We're typically the ones going, hey, he's a real piece of work. What are we saying by that? That person is unique, but not in a good way. They're uniquely difficult to get along with. They're uniquely eccentric. They, 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 they say unique things. They're just, they're just difficult. They're, just, they're a real piece of work. Can I challenge that thinking? If you've had that thinking about someone in this church, maybe because they're different than you, and maybe because they are in, in a phase of their life where they're particularly difficult or something's happening. That is not what the Bible talks to, about us. The Bible says that we're not a piece of work. The Bible says we are the handiwork of God. And how dare we look at each other or talk about each other or gossip about each other or slander about each other in any other way, no matter what sin we're currently caught in. I, you, we are handiworks of God, the craftsman, the master potter, the one who has the the, the most wonderful, intelligent design has created us. That's what it says in verse 10. We were created in Christ Jesus. Read it. For we are his workmanship created where? What does it say there? In Christ Jesus. This word created, kitzo, carries with it the idea that in Christ we are new creations. This in Christ theology, which you find all over, all over Paul's epistles, particularly in the book of Ephesians. This is highlighted here. We're created in Christ. This harkens back to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there it is again, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That creation is the power of God to enable us to do the works that he prepared beforehand. We're his creation. Later on in the book of Ephesians, he's going to say, listen, put on your new self, created after the likeness of God. You're not putting on something that isn't you. No, it is the new you. Put on the new you, and please take off the old you. Take off the disguise of the old you. Stop being sexually immoral. Stop getting drunk. Stop lying to each other. Stop slandering. Stop speaking words that don't help. That's not who you are. Get the mask off and be who you are. Because we're new creations and stop looking at each other the way the old was. I know that's hard. Oh, as I was thinking about this church, faces came to mind. The faces of wives with tears in their eyes. Husbands unsaved. Husbands betraying. And these women refuse to give in. And they said, no, God's got something better. And they are walking signs of the grace of God. And their husbands are walking signs of the grace of God. Listen, this is who we are. That's why he concludes this passage with the following words. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, and here we go, for good works. 
for good works. We're created for good works. Listen, you weren't created by good works. He just finished telling you that. You weren't saved by your good works. No way. Ain't going to ever happen. No, no, no. You were created by God's good works, Christ. But now that you've been created, new creations, by the good work of God, you were created for good works. Because these good works are what display God's grace. What are the good works, you're asking yourself? Well, I, I think, I think again, I don't believe he's talking works of the law here because the, these people wouldn't even understand that. The Judaizers weren't even there. I think these are just good things, good things that people do. In a Christian sense, think of these good works as the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You know, think of these good works like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, your salt and light. Let your light shine on the world so that the people would see your good works and glorify your God. You get that? Jesus is preaching that, Sermon on the Mount, 30-some years before this was written. Why? Same God, same Holy Spirit, same purpose. He saved us, not just to get us to heaven, and escape hell, you know, with smoke still coming off our shoulders as we get into heaven. No, no, he saved us to do good works through us, good works that he prepared for us to do. See, you got to think this way. What are the tangible manifestations of the Christian virtues? God, let's just say, his communicable attributes of love, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Those are the good works, guys. Those will cause you to shine brightly as one of those lights just displaying grace, grace, God, grace. Those are the evidences of grace. The reason we were created was to display these good works, the fruit of our salvation, not the basis of it. See, see this is the one major application point. If you think back to Jason's uh, sermon, remember Verse 7, look at verse 7 of chapter 2 for a second. See where it says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. Remember, 1 to 10 is one unit. So what he's doing in 8 through 10 is he's kind of, 8 through 10 he's kind of applying verse 7. He's saying, look, I saved you. I gave you life so that you might now show the immeasurable riches of his grace. In fact, this is how Jason preached it last week. Uh, his words are so exact. I'm quoting now from Jason's message. In other words, we will be displays of God's immeasurably rich grace for all time and eternity. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You guys wearing your Giants Super Bowl champions jerseys next year when the Dolphins win? Because we're going to get Peyton Manning. You're going to be walking around, and what are people going to go? But listen, listen. Listen, when we wear the jersey of God's grace, that is always, eternally, bringing glory to the one who truly deserves it. It never goes out of fashion. He never loses. That is the top. Yes. So Jason says, in other words, we will be displays of God's immeasurably rich grace for all time and eternity. God will forever, forever, forever reveal through our transformed lives the immeasurable riches of his grace. My friend's wife, Joy Hill, Larry's wife, who died last week and is buried right outside of Jackson, Mississippi. Her life continues to speak God's immeasurably rich grace. And that's my hope. The day maybe some of you are at my funeral and someone's preaching it. My life would speak of something greater than me, but of God. 
These works, the works God prepared for us to do, will put God's grace on display for all eternity. Friends, it's not about our salvation ultimately. No, the good works are not about earning our salvation. We can't, but they're about displaying our salvation and the glories of God's grace to a watching world. And that encourages us. That encourages us to do works that God prepared beforehand. Not so we receive anything, but so that God receives eternal glory and praise. And what's amazing, when you look at verse 10, look at this. These good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, my. Now, we've preached this a lot, but I'm going to preach it again. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1. Just quickly, verse 4 of chapter 1. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. When did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world. You cannot choose God. Impossible. God chose you. And he chose you to be holy and blameless. What we're reading now in 2.10 points back to 1.4. These are the good works, guys. This changes everything. We've been chosen by God to be holy and blameless. So stop messing around with the unholy and the foolish. God prepared you for something far greater. His grace, His glory. God has marked the path for us to walk. He did this from eternity past, and it is the path of good works that testify to the grace of God that comes from our new creation. And these good works were prepared for us to walk in them. See, friends, we walk We walk in these good works by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you show the last slide, please? This is a quote from uh, Clinton Arnold in his uh, exegetical commentary on Ephesians. The Spirit of God, who produces all good works and attitudes, does not take control over a man in such a fashion that men are manipulated like puppets on strings. He animates us. He activates us by his spirit. He, and you prayed for, for us to be filled with the spirit. I so gratefully do. I believe God has a, a line for our service this morning. He wants to activate us and animate us by his spirit to do good works, not to earn his favor, not to earn his salvation. We can't, but to be displays of his glory. And the good works aren't these massive things like save the nation or save the city, or feed everybody that's hungry. And maybe some of that, some of you may be called to that, but it's just, it's just living as a Christian, man. It's just forgiving one another. When that person doesn't call you back or doesn't return the email, it's not believing slander and gossip. It's what you guys do. It's forgiving people that have sinned against you significantly. It's being patient in traffic. (laughs) Oh, that one hits me, man. Okay. But he activates man and makes him a responsive partner of God's covenant. See, that's what, we, that's what the Bible teaches. Justification, salvation, it's monergistic. Mono, one. Monergistic. God did it. You did not do anything. Sanctification, now reflecting who Christ is and becoming more and more like him. Synergistic. The onus is still on God. The main weight of it is still on God. It's still God the Holy Spirit that empowers and indwells us and fills us and activates us and animates us. I love that. Animates us. We're like an animation, okay? Uh, but, but let God animate you. Let God get you going, and it's a process, and we cooperate with that process.
Grace is the power of God to walk in the works of God. Grace is an active power. It is the Holy Spirit. It is, in Titus it says, for the grace of God has appeared, that's Christ, bringing salvation to all people. And it teaches us then to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. It's a power. It's the power of God. He animates us. He he equips us. Listen, listen, listen. Bella Caroli did not do the routines that won Mary Lou Retton, the gold medal. Can you imagine? This huge man in like little tights. (laughs) He would like break the pummel horse if he hit it, okay? Big mustache. That doesn't look like a... A female gymnast? No, he didn't. He didn't. Now, this, this illustration breaks down, okay, because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But he trained Mary Lou Retton. He envisioned Mary Lou Retton. He gave her the skills. She had to do the work. She had to get out there and do the hard work and the sweat in the gym and sometimes risk a little bit of injury. But she had to have the faith in that. And she had to go do it. God doesn't do it for us in that sense. We're not puppets. Do you see that? There's something we have to do. So my question is, why aren't we doing it? And Jeannie Pernia and Martha Avila, did I pronounce that right? Kind of help me understand it. You're wondering, who are they? <laughs> and how did they help you understand it? Well, they, uh, Jeannie runs the Heartbeat for Miami Pregnancy Help clinic in Hialeah, and Martha kind of directs Heartbeat of Miami in general, and I asked them to come last Wednesday night for our Man Up course, so we could have a vision of what God's doing in the city, bigger than our own little worlds, because it was a man in his community. David Behar did an incredible job. Are you here, David? Buddy, you knocked it out of the park. It was biblical. It was godly. It was, it was good, man. Appreciate that. David's trying to, he's trying to just coordinate uh, amongst us, a, a clearinghouse. In fact, if you haven't seen this yet, it's called The Connection. And just a clearinghouse of what skills do we have and then how we can employ those in the, in the church. I love what you said, in our families first, in the church and in the community. Okay, then, then Martha and Jeannie came. And, and, and they came and they talked about how abortion um, affects men. And what they're finding now at these pregnancy help clinics is that Many men are needing ministry. Because, yeah, the lady got the abortion, but oftentimes it was the man that paid for it or or forced her. And then Martha said something amazing. By the way, you guys did a great job. She said, we find so many women, and now I'm going to expand this to men, who after they become Christians, because of this one sin, they are totally deactivated in the church. They can't even teach a Sunday school class. They can't even teach children. They can't even volunteer anywhere. They feel so guilty about this one sin. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, with, with the new church plant and just needing new leaders, Corey and I have been just looking at the membership list, grateful for everybody. Please hear that. I mean, crying over the list. But just notice, it just, there seems to be a lull at Palm Vista right now. Not, not everybody, okay? And there's so many that work so hard here. But there were just some names on there, you know? And I, I, just, I just began praying and thinking, what, what is keeping some of them from these good works? Now, remember, they're primarily the fruits of the Spirit at home, but I think they bleed into 
you know, the church. I, I think when, when these people that come in the morning, you know, Joe, Robbie, Tyler, different ones, at 8 o'clock in the morning, it's just like a, a, a sign. Grace of God, grace of God, grace of God. You know, I, I see Gabe out there and Marcos and others putting up signs and Patrick. and You know, it just blinks. Grace of God, grace of God, grace of God, grace of God. And I think, I, and, and Bentley helped me with this because Bentley and I always talk about the sermon and Zeke was there. We were over lunch. We were just batting around these, this sermon and Bentley just said, you know, Al, because he, he listened to Martha as well. He said, you know, Al, I wonder if people have such massive sins that they're coming from. That though they're Christians, no doubt, perhaps they don't, they're not quite rejoicing. Go back to the two points, if you wouldn't mind, please, Tyler. They're, made, they're, they're not quite rejoicing, rejoicing in God's gift of salvation. And so they feel guilty. And, and, and they're not walking in some of these good works. There's no faith or excitement to do these things. Maybe they feel like they have to do them to please God, and since they're not doing them, they're not pleasing God, so I'll just keep my distance from God. That's a wrong understanding of the gospel. Or maybe they feel the guilt of a specific sin. Maybe it's abortion. You know, I told Martha, I said, maybe when I talk to the men about this, there's someone in this church, kind of like a guy like Cindy Irizarry was years ago. She had had numerous abortions, and she had the courage to stand here and said, I had that, but God has set me free. There's no more guilt. And out of that was birth, heartbeat of Miami. You know, isn't, isn't that our lives, guys? We just walk messed up. And God gets us and cleans us and says, you're now my creation. Here are the good works. And he wipes away those footsteps in the snow that were wayward. And I just thought, maybe there's a guy who's paid for not one, maybe numerous abortions. Prior to being a believer, maybe he found out about it. And he feels guilty that he killed somebody. If that's you, if you were involved, maybe, maybe it's another type of maybe sexual sin. Maybe, maybe it's, it's robbery. Maybe, maybe it's murder. I don't know. I, I don't know. Hey, we do live in Miami. <laughs> We've all got checkered backgrounds, right? And uh, I'm the chief among them. I'm here to tell you this morning, the grace of God has set you free from that. Jesus' blood has wiped it away. God has chosen you from the foundation of the world, knowing you were going to do those things. He chose you from there. I don't understand it either, but he chose you to be holy and blameless. You did it, and Christ died for that sin. You are free. You're clean. It's wiped away. No one else remembers it. You're the only one remembering it. Psalm 103. You are forgiven. All of us are forgiven. And now let us walk in the works that God has prepared for us. Amen. Let's pray. Worship team, please join me. Lord, I pray that this message right now would penetrate the hearts of all of us. God, if we have been deactivated, if we have been sitting back, if we have been somewhat guilt-ridden, kind of like a low-grade fever of guilt and just, I can't really do that. It's just not for me. I, 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 I've done too much. There's too many sins in my life. Lord, even now, you would put your finger on those th- sins. Lord, I, the, the word abuse comes to mind. Whether, whether that person has been abused and feel dirty, and maybe we're told they were partly responsible, or they were the abuser. Uh, robbery is coming to mind. Maybe no one knows about it. Maybe it was as a teenager. Maybe, maybe someone here was involved in something that really hurt somebody physically. 
Oh God, I pray the, the glories of the gospel, I pray the prayer that's at the end of chapter 1, that you would open their eyes to the hope of their calling. That you would open their eyes to the fact that you chose them as your inheritance, knowing that you chose them. You gave the blood of Christ to clean them. You gave the most priceless thing ever to wipe away that sin and the guilt associated. And you gave them your spirit to seal them. That's you. Just just do business with God right now. It's a holy moment. Maybe you have guilt over how you parented for years. I don't know. Leave it at the cross. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own work. It's not. So receive Christ's work fully. Boast in Him. Make it your life's goal to be a display, a walking display sign, a walking polo shirt sign of all the grace and goodness of God. And then walk in these works that God has prepared for you. Lord, show us. Give us dreams, Lord. Revive dreams that have died, Lord. Revive faith that has died, Lord. Revive uh, desires that have died. That psalmist says that, that if we are righteous, you will give us the desires of our heart. I believe that can be both. You'll give us the desires and then give us the very things that we've desired. Oh, Lord, I, I thank you for my friend, Jose Prado. He would be the first to tell you that he's a trophy of your grace. He was a thug. He was, he was a guy that lived for himself and you took him and you washed him and you cleansed him and today, right, probably right now, he's preaching his heart out in Westchester, God, and he's a display of your grace. He's a walking display of your grace and it's not just for Jose Prado. It's not just for pastors or deacons or elders. It's for all of us. Show us the works. Give us godly dreams. Build your church. And we'll boast in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And listen, we're going to sing a song here at the end that's celebratory. It's called For Your Glory Alone. Would you please show the verses there? I just want to talk through the verses for a moment. Verse 1. I want you to sing with understanding. We're going to sing to God, and this is what we're going to sing to Him. For every heart your cross redeemed, for every triumph over sin, for every time you gave us strength, for every time your love broke in, for every time you spared us and delivered us from death, for every escape from Satan's snares, and then the chorus, let your victories be recounted, let your mighty deeds be sung. We're going to sing them right now. Let your greatness be exalted for your glory alone. Let your victories be be recounted in verse 2. For every slave your power has freed. That's all of us. For every sickness you have healed, the sickness of sin in our souls as well as our bodies. For every taste of heaven's joy and your wondrous love revealed. Listen, for grace that's working in us, for grace that's working in us and bringing forth good fruit, for forming in us your glorious Son, let your victories be recounted. Let's stand. Band, let's sing that through.